Hello and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing the episode titled No Future in the Past, which is season two, episode number eight. Written by Emily Andrus, directed by Paolo Barsman, and this aired July 28th, 2017. That's the sound of our brains exploding <laughs> with what Emily threw at us. Up until 10 minutes ago, I was still trying to like hash out the timeline of <laughs> this episode and other episodes i didn't even finish one of the rabbit holes i went down oh um, i'm sure there knowing you there are many of those <laughs> scattered across the landscape right now i'm like why is my brain hurt right now it's like oh yeah i watched what is also known as the vision quest episode again yes yes Oh, and by the way, folks, if you are new to the podcast, we're going to spoil everything that's happened in the first four seasons of the show. Trust me, anything's fair game. So watch out if you're a newbie. Yeah, especially with this episode, because it oh, does. Goodness. I mean, it's so rich with backstory and I, we get so many answers. You know, how often do we say, oh, I just wish we knew more. I wish we had more answers. And this one was filled with it. Also give us more questions. But this one is a lot. It, it's a lot. Yes, it is. And like you said, there's some answers, but those then generate more questions, some of which get addressed, some of which don't. Yeah, it's it's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of my favorites blew my mind mm -hmm. the first time just continues to blow my and mind. And we haven't even touched on the whole way hot situation. I know, like just the Robert Spain stuff is enough mm -hmm. to, I mean, that's a, that's a huge story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in the way hot situation, you throw in finding out more about Juan Carlo, you get like all these different <laughs> bits of backstory from several characters. So yep. it's, it's a good one. It's uh, yeah. All right. Strap <laughs> in. Here we go. Strap in. Here we Roller go. Roller coaster is going up the hill. Yeah, and this opener, we've got, you know, little Waverly recalling a memory uh, of Willa throwing Mr. Rabbit on the ice. And uh, little Waverly goes after it, falling into the ice. And her perception of this event is that Willa threw Mr. Rabbit out there on purpose, knowing that the ice was thin and had no intention of pulling her out even when the ice broke because she hated her. Yeah, more reinforcement for yeah. why we know Waverly is not a Willow fan. Yeah, and she says to Winona, you know, like, why is, why is she so mean? <laughs> um, how much of this is like, was that her intent? Was this just like, you know, out of hand childhood, you know, sibling rivalry crap? But either way, this is how Waverly has perceived this, like, her whole life. Yeah, it's how she's burned it in her brain. Like we said, false memory, question mark. Yeah. Well, and that that gets interesting later on, too, right? Like how much of this uh, you know, your perception is your reality. So how much of this is a memory of a, a small child who's been traumatized time and time again? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And my Nona goes on to say that, you know, I know, you know, I was here when you came home from the hospital, Waverly. I picked your name out. They wanted to call you. They wanted to name you Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> be a totally different story wouldn't it mm -hmm. and this um 
this goes on and we get a very sad Waverly saying how she tried so hard, but nobody ever celebrated her birthday or ordered copies of her school photos, noticed her report cards. And we've heard this kind of talk from her before. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to reinforce it now before we get the vision quest and start to understand some things. But it doesn't make it any sadder when you hear it again, that's for sure. No, no, not at all. Especially knowing what's already in her mind that she, you know, might not be an ERP at this point. So she's mm-hmm. now she's just questioning everything and it's starting to make a little more sense to her, maybe. Um, Wynona says, Mama used to call you her angel. Angel. How come it is on all these rewatches now when I hear that word or, or when you see it referenced, I just get the little goosebumps, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, of course, you wouldn't think anything of it because like, you know, you yeah. say sweet nothings to your kids all the time. Exactly. Come on. Every mom's called one of their kids an angel at some point. I don't think I've called either one of my children angels. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> They're tough kids. <laughs> One's a little more angelic than the other, but uh, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like you you have no reason to think she's meaning it in the literal sense, but mm-hmm. she most likely was. And Waverly's quick to point out that, well, Mama also left and Ward wouldn't look at her. And she thinks maybe it's because he knew all along that she wasn't his. And we do see that. I mean, she's partially right. We we do see that whole sequence later on. I can't remember what episode that is in. Um, but, yeah, we, we do see that he knew. Well, he and, yeah, everything that we learned, too, about Ward, just it all lines up. Wynona says that she didn't realize things were so hard for Waverly. Um, and I think part of that is probably because Waverly, she overcompensated for so much with her her kindness and, you know, trying extra hard in her education, just trying to do anything to get noticed. And probably Wynona didn't realize also because she was distracted seeing demons and she had other things. things to take care of. Yes. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says that, but that doesn't mean that you're not an herb. And then a car pulls up and it's dolls and they're going to take Winona to an appointment. But before she follows Waverly to the car, Winona asks, stops her and asks her, well, Waverly, who did pull you out of the ice? And Waverly says, you did. But the look on Winona's face Oh, says different. Very obvious. Yeah. Like, mm, I don't think so, but I'm not bringing that up now. Exactly. Um, and then we have a, another scene where we see a car on the side of the road and good Samaritan Juan Carlo pulls up and he offers the car assistance only to find out that it's widow Mercedes who he recognizes right, right away, which is interesting um, because she just looked like regular Mercedes, but he could sense who she really was. And he said, I put you and your sister in a box and she wants to know where the last seal is. And he says he will die before he tells her. And then Beth comes up from behind him and bites him in the shoulder. Mm. A little foreshadowing there. Makes me think, does Juan Carlos just spend all his time just perusing around the, you know, right. the, the line, the ghost river triangle lines, trying to help people. And, and why doesn't he have a tow truck? <laughs> <laughs> Because he can magically fix things. I guess he doesn't need one. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> Most he's of the like, time, he's not actually fixing the cars. He's just 
making people do some self-reflection. Yeah, know? it's like you need a rare part for that rare car. I might just, oh, look, at I have that right here in my tiny, tiny toolbox. Yeah, while we're here, let's evaluate your life. You're making good choices. <laughs> but I'm not going to intervene, that's for sure. I, he can't, yes, I know. correct. And then we're at Shorty's and Rosita comes down the stairs and she and Doc are talking. And Doc says he has plans. And she's like, well, that's fine. You don't have to explain them to me. And he wants to know what her plans involve today and if it involves spending time with the Earp sisters. And she just kind of awkwardly laughs like, okay, you want me to spend time with the person who literally wants to kill me if she finds out who I am. But we don't know at this point what she is. Um, and he's just trying to get her to be closer to them, like combining the things that he loves. And Rosita's just not comfortable with that. And But this exchange is kind of sad. Like he fumbles around how he feels about Winona and he says that he wishes there wasn't a divide between his lover and his friend, lover being uh, Rosita at this time. And then he's like, and Waverly, like, how can you not want to hang out with Waverly? Everly, everybody loves Waverly. Which is interesting because she's going to spend some time with Waverly <laughs> very soon. Coming up. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but Doc says that he told Rosita that he would protect her. And he's like, if I'm not, he, he's like, um, he's kind of inferring that, like, you might want to have other friends around in case I'm not here. Yeah. Again, you know, she he's offered her protection. We know that. But he's being very much aware of situations that you can't be a loner, um, mm -hmm. you know, because, yeah, Doc also knows there's lots of things coming after him in this world. There's no guarantee he'll be there. Yeah. Especially after he just had the run in with the the phantom in, in the last episode. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Who knows at this time? But, you know, and I've always been team Winona and Doc, but like this time around, I just not that I want her to be with Doc. I just feel really bad for her at this point in time. Now, and I find myself having that happen. Like my perspective is different on many of the things now that I've seen everything so far. Because I remember being so like not a fan of Rosita for so long. But it's like now, when, now that I've had some time to process <laughs> and <laughs> seen the rest of the episodes, when I go back, it's like, oh, my heart goes out for her now, you know? knowing more of the story well yeah and that's part of the uh isolated nature i think the first time through though i didn't feel as bad about it because i'm like oh she can make friends and you know we're going to learn a little more about her but the the idea that she's a revenant and, and how she became one and what ends up happening with the baby situation and all i mean i'm just yeah it's it's a little bit like the whole robert swain review mm -hmm. reveal once you know these things, you can't unknow them. So each time you rewatch a show, you're seeing it differently. This is what keeps this thing so fresh. This is another great example of what Emily and the writing team do. Just to, it is not going to be the same each time through. And and yeah, it's the, it's funny. This, it's also kind of jumping ahead. It's when the conversation when when uh, the three of them are there at the bar. You know, Rosita along with Waverly and Nicole. Uh, and Nicole bringing up the whole, it's tough to break into the ERP inner circle. Right. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about that much. And and this is just another great example of it and, and how difficult that they are so close um, and, and and so distrusting of outsiders. I, I get that. If you, it doesn't matter if you the if you came in second place for nicest person in purgatory to Waverly, still trying to get into that inner circle. Man, that's got to be tough. So I don't blame Rosita for like, eh, that's not even worth trying. Right. And we, I mean, we saw that it was difficult for Nicole to get into the inner circle as far as like the secrets of purgatory. 
but we yeah. didn't, it didn't yeah, really, that's another way. Yeah. we didn't really see it from in front of our eyes that it never really looked like it was hard for her to like penetrate into the ERP family because we just didn't see that. So to hear her say that, it's like, yeah, that, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, we know how protective Winona is. Obviously, we've seen <laughs> many scenes up till now how standoffish she can be and, and how she's trying to make sure Nicole is truly in it for Waverly's best interests. So, you know, I get it. I get it. It's just, it's so, it's so fascinating to look at it from each of these different perspectives. I think that's one of the things for me on rewatches that I find I enjoy is maybe first time through a show, you're so focused on what they put right in front of you, you know, mm -hmm. what, what's actually happening in the camera eye. Mm -hmm. um, that I don't catch as much sometimes of, of impact on on other characters. But these rewatches, like you're talking about, the, the whole Rosita backstory and how she might have felt at this point uh, and what was going on and stepping out and trying to do the whole baby shower thing. You know, kudos to her for giving it a shot. Yeah. Because she also, she also knows now, too, that I'm sure up, she wants to try to spend as little time with my owner as possible for fear of her discovering who she really is. Yeah, I mean, all it would take is for her gun to be sitting yeah, you know, too close to, to her and glowing. Yeah. Like, so to be willing to step up and do this, uh, like I say, more, even more credit goes to the to Rosita for doing this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as far as like going through, I don't know how many times I've seen each episode now, but um, you know, I take long breaks <laughs> since there's so many. It's like you you take a while before you get back to another one. But um, yeah, my first one two times through i was just so invested in the way hot story that not that i didn't take in the rest of the story but it's like the other characters weren't my favorite you know it's like that mm -hmm. was my focus was just like i was so excited to have that representation on screen that it was just my focal point and so just like you had said you just said going back now it's like now i have that time like i know how they are they're safe and sound at the end they're living happily ever after now i can pay more attention to these other people and just appreciate their stories more i hear you and rosita says you know like if i'm so important why don't you tell me where you're going and then he says the salt flats don't wait up so i thought that was interesting because she kind of gives him that like little flippant ultimatum and he does tell her. So it's like he kind of proves to her, like, you are important. I'll tell you where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And then we are at the doctor's office. And Wynonna is in for her exam, cracking all the jokes. <laughs> the doctor asks if she's sleeping. She says, naps are my bitch. And if she's taking her vitamins, she's like, yep, wash them down every morning with a rum and coke. And the doctor just kind of glares at her. And she's like, all right, fine. <laughs> Minus the rum and the coke. Um <laughs> And the visit proceeds as usual, but Wynonna asks her about DNA testing, but she's like, but it's for a friend um, who thinks she might be adopted. So she's basically asking for Waverly at this point. And the doctor starts talking to her about, you know, you have choices and, you know, is, is adoption something you're interested in? And and if Wynonna wants to go down that path, and then the doctor sort of catches Wynona off guard with this sonogram. I don't know what Wynona thought she was doing this whole time with the gel on her belly, but um, when she's like, do you want to see your baby? Wynona just gets really uncomfortable at this point. And uh, just, she's got to get it. Like, it's gotten real, real fast, I think. Well, that and she's still concerned it could be revenant or something. So let's face it, the, the images you get at that point aren't exactly going to crystallize exactly what it 
looks like and all. So I'm sure she's just freaked out in general. I mean, the images at this point could lead anyone to think it's an actual revenant. I could think anything at this point. <laughs> I was, Sorry. I know These when are not I exactly saw it. school picture quality. I mean, <laughs> I know when I saw it the first time, I was like, I was waiting for something horror element to actually happen, like, you know, like red eyes to glow on the screen or something. I was just like, what is going to happen right now? Horns on its head. Um, and so, yeah, so Winona, she's just like, what are you doing? I, I got to get out of here. And the doctor hands dolls the paperwork from the visit and says it's confidential because, oh, she had asked um, Winona if she wanted to know the sex of the baby. Mm-hmm. And Winona leaves without even giving her an answer. Um, so when she hands dolls the paperwork, she says it's confidential in case she changes her mind. So I had totally forgotten that dolls has had the results this whole time of the sex of the baby and we never saw any indication that he peaked or told anyone which is really Mm -hmm. interesting considering like nicole has the dna results and looks he's got these results and doesn't look but he also knows it's not his baby so you know i mean it it might be different if he was the baby daddy Mm -hmm. you know i don't know i'm just but it's also dolls we know he's pretty principled so yeah and we you never know. got any indication that he's he ever peaked or told anyone. Mm-hmm. Because we never, I don't think we ever found the sex out until the baby actually arrives, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. It didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. Um, and then we see a truck pulling away as uh, Dolls is running out after Winona, and we hear Winona yelling for Dolls, and there's blood on the ground and a bunch of pamphlets from the clinic. So she's in this truck yelling for dolls we all assume she's in trouble dolls runs to the sheriff's office and catches a napping nedley and uh he's just yelling you know nedley nedley or sheriff sheriff and finally he wakes up and he's like hey this ain't no ed Sheeran concert (laughs) stop your yelling (laughs) he demands that nedley run this license plate now and it comes up empty and then nedley's like Dolls is like, that's impossible. It's got to be in the system. He's like, no, it's not in the system. How about you tell me by describing what kind of music was playing and the make and model? So Dolls describes it as a black Dodge Ram 2015 redneck screeching. And Nedley corrects him immediately saying it was a 2017 ebony, not black. And that would have been Willie Nelson. So watch your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) This was classic Nedley. I love this. I love this exchange. Mm-hmm. I love how he gets the upper hand and just schools Mr. Like hot shit agent with his own knowledge. Like, yes, we'll do this the old school way. I know everyone in this town. I don't need a computer. I just sit at the corner stool at Shorty's and I can learn a lot. Mm-hmm. So it turns out this is Juan Carlo and they are trying to figure out how to track him down. Nedley goes on to tell him, well, he's the chief of the volunteer fire brigade, and he helps keep the young bucks in order. And the word order really clicks with dolls. Yeah. I We see, like, the panic in dolls. And then we see, like, because, you know, he's grown so very fond of Winona, and also she's pregnant. And then we see, like, this calm in Nedley. I like that we finally see something has rattled dolls. Mm-hmm. But he still stays on course because mm-hmm. he learns info. He knows what to do next. Yep. You know, what info can I learn? How much closer can I get to find? Then we are at Shorty's and Nicole and Waverly are playing a pool game in some sort of domestic day date bliss or something. And 
Waverly misses the shot. And Nicole kind of gives her shit about like, I know why you missed. You're kind of distracted. But you really shouldn't worry about it because Winona remembers you coming home from the hospital. And besides, who are you going to trust more? Your sister or a sociopathic revenant in a fuzzy coat? (laughs) I love that description of Bobo. Waverly says, well, I won't have to wonder much longer because I sent in a DNA sample, which we all know at this point. Well, now we know, but Nicole already knows all this. So this exchange is just weird to watch after I already know everything (laughs) because Nicole's just like, you don't have to worry. Why? You know, just trust your sister and like, yeah, we don't need those test results. Yeah. It's about the only thing she didn't say. I mean, you know, like I said. Waverly's got to do a little better reading someone who is obviously trying to talk you around a topic. Yeah, exactly. And um, she's like, yeah, we won't have to wait much longer because I sent in the sample. And Nicole gets this odd look on her face. And Waverly says the results should show up at the cop shop soon. Nicole's like, oh, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, but her face tells us everything, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't think... Like, now that I watch, her face says everything, but I don't think I suspected anything back then. No. First time around, I got to admit, same, same, same. I just thought she was being, Nicole was just being extra sweet about, oh, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, let's take your mind off of it. Let's play pool. Yeah, she's doing extra hard to make like it's no big whoop. Mm Mm-hmm. She asks if she's sure she really wants to know, and Waverly says no, but she has to know if she's not an herb. And she wants Nicole to distract her with some smooches. But Rosita comes along and she wants to throw a baby shower with mocktails and maybe a pinata, much to their surprise. And Waverly says, well, she does enjoy whacking things. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I know, right? And Rosita seems to be trying to like bridge this gap with Winona. And she's like, we need to show her that we're all here for her. They're going to trap Winona uh, with some nachos. And I just like in my head, I envision like the way to lure the herb air is just with like a trail of nachos leading (laughs) into a trap. (laughs) Like It's just that easy. All this time they've been trying to get her. All they had to do was just leave a trail of nachos into a cage. Oh, the simple things in life. I know. I mean, it would get me. So (laughs) at the sheriff's office, we now see that Dolls has brought in Ewan from the order and he's interrogating him. And he's like, listen, you know, Winona was kidnapped by Juan Carlo. And he says that, you know, Juan Carlo thinks Winona's special. But he can't make anyone do anything against their own will. So she must have gone with him willingly. And Dolls tries to threaten Ewan by relaying the importance of Winona to him. And like, just as he's about to say Winona is, I don't know, maybe something like special or important to me, his phone rings. It's Winona calling him. She hears the worry in um, Dolls' voice. And she's like, I got in a killer right hook. Because he's like, there was blood. She's like, yeah, I got in a killer right hook. Um, but that's before Juan Car- Carlo explained himself. She's like, I feel like a mountain lion with the prenatal vitamins. <laughs> and it turns out she says that Juan Carlo just wants to discuss some things to her. And Dolls is like, where are you? Tell me where you are. But then she starts trying to speak in code, which is just so funny. She's like, we are at a crossroads. We've reached a communion. <laughs> And just as Juan Carlo grabs the phone from her, she yells, Jesus Christ, country house. <laughs> uh, Even like supposedly kidnapped, she's like doing great. Yeah. 
Not so subtle, right? Yeah. And then we see that she's in front of a church. Dolls figures out very quickly. It's a church. And then he says, is she going to creepy, very creepy Vegas marry him or what? Um, which is funny because Nicole married Shay in Vegas. So I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolls tells Ewan that neutral men. Oh, because he's like, you know, I don't want to get involved. And he tells Ewan, you know, you better pick a side. And that neutral mm-hmm. men are the devil's allies and brother, the devil's coming. Boy, is he ever. Well, I, I think I just find it fascinating watching Ewan just kind of watch dolls flail a little bit, you know, because he knows so much of the situation. And dolls isn't totally up to speed yet on what's going on with the firefighters and all. And then Ewan's like, well, there's a church out on highway, whatever. And it's near Juan Carlos Chop's chop shop, which I thought is funny because I, I hadn't really thought of Juan Carlos having a chop shop. <laughs> I just thought like he just drives around, but he must have a brick and mortar shop. He's like a legit businessman. As legit as you can be in purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) And at the church, Juan Carlo reads Winona her text from Waverly. And she's like, he's like, you've been invited for nachos. (laughs) And this is when Winona holds Peacemaker to the back of his head. And he's like, I thought we've done this before. And we've ruled out that I'm not a bad guy because obviously Peacemaker doesn't react to him. Mm -hmm. And he's like... Well, I guess he told in order to get her in the truck, he's like, I got information about the sisters or the widows, but he can't tell her why. Literally, this is his curse to survive and witness never to decide. And he tells Winona that she's all choices. And I really like that way of how he described her as being all choices, because it just it reminds me of how she's always saying there's always another way. Well, it's the wonderful dichotomy of, you know, how she can say that and see it. We can all appreciate it. And then other times talk about the curse and how it just totally controls her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, but the fact choices is a great way because I think the Juan Carlo character and certainly in this episode, uh, you know, he dances around what he can or can't do. That's kind of just fun conversation. But it's the reality of in in this supernatural battle of what's going on. He's he can only do a little bit. We kind of got this near the end of season one, too. Um and reminding her, it's choices. It's the choices you make. All of us do, really. Every day, every interaction, every time. Choices. Just make the right choices. Right. That's what we appreciate watching her try to do with all the other crap that goes on around her. Well, and then it's so interesting, too, because, you know, so he tells her this before she goes in. And then as she is the spectator to what happened in the past, she's constantly thinking to herself and even saying out loud in some instances, like, you had a choice or like, you know, choose wisely or like, you know, she's commenting mm-hmm. on like the choices they've made. Um, even at one point saying to, to doc, but he can't hear her. Like, you know, if you just would have done this, everything would have been different. And that's where this vision quest, along with learning more about the curse and the backstory, like you just said, and this is where it's so prophetic is like, Oh, you've kind of turned into the Juan Carlo for this vision quest. Okay. Totally different side of things. You don't get to make a choice. You don't get to, to act on the situation. Yeah, and, and she's just, she can't in, like intervene at all. No. She's just this fly in a wall. Yep. And so I just, I love that it's in real life. Yes, you have all of them. I'm going to show you a little something where you're, you're going to get frustrated. And like you said, she's going to make comments out loud as she sees certain things that are done there. That, oh, how, how life can be so different in certain situations when you make a choice. 
Yeah, absolutely. And he says he can show her what she wants to know, but she must go willingly. She needs to go into the church with Wyatt's gun and badge, put them in the mark that he made and read the words before the sun sets. And I got a little trippy here. This is where it, where it all starts. So remember Doc threw the badge into the fire. Mm-hmm. And then when Juan Carlos showed up, when Doc was leaving the Ghost River Triangle and he was broken down, Juan Carlos had Wyatt's badge and Doc was freaked out by that. And he was given the choice of either taking the badge or the fan belt. So then I just like got all trippy thinking like, well, if he had not taken the fan belts, we wouldn't have this moment. <laughs> we <laughs> wouldn't have some other moments either. Choices, because, and right? choices. I was just like, oh, <laughs> you, the, you had to take the belt to get back, but you also had to take the belt so that we could have this moment. Clearly this works for the vision quest. It gets too trippy on this episode. So mm-hmm. she wants to know if she will be, she's really concerned about Nacho Night and she just wants to make sure she's going to be back for Nacho Night. And he says that the Earp sisters will be reunited before sundown. And he says, you know, you don't have anything to, pe- what do you have to fear with Peacemaker at your side? And she asks if it will show her how to stop the widows before they find the third seal. And he says, oh, it will show you a shitload. Boy, does it ever. She goes in. She puts the gun and badge and the symbol and reads the words. I have ears. Let me hear. I have eyes. Let me see. I claim my birthright. I claim my history. And then there's like a sound and some wind. And she's like, great. I'm a chanting and I'm chanting like an asshole. And she just walks out, leaving Peacemaker and the badge and the note behind. Like she's probably thinking like this didn't do anything. This is weird. Like. I got to go talk to Juan Carlo, right? And then next we see her um, walking into, I'm I'm just assuming it's Shorty's like back in the day, is my guess. Um, No, no, no. When she does walk in, it is still Shorty's. Current day Shorty's. Yes, current day Shorty's when when she first walks in. And Doc is there and she's talking to him and everything. And the patrons are all modern day. And then Doc walks away and he can't hear her. And she's like, hello. And. Then all of a sudden, everything gets spinny and starts changing. The music changes to like saloon music, and it's all old timey. And she says, why do I smell horses? And she runs outside and says, where am I? Holy pioneer balls, when am I? (laughs) (laughs) She gets a balls joke in, but she makes it old timey. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We got, uh, during our set visit, we got to see that set for that. you know, the old time saloony spot, uh, which is pretty cool because that's actually across the street from the place where we're going to see Doc get that very creepy painting in an episode or two mm. where Bo Smith makes his appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of cool. There's a up on the 724 set area. They have a basically a Western town street for shooting. And that's where they did this one. I love old Western towns. Like if I'm traveling somewhere and they, I see a sign that there's one off the highway, like I'm stopping every single time. I love those old towns. <laughs> <laughs> Such a tourist trap. I'm a sucker every time. She, everything's old, old town horses, wagons, and she runs back into the saloon to Doc, who's playing cards, and she's trying to get his attention. She says, I'm in a vision quest. But no one can hear her or see her. And she wonders if she's a ghost. (laughs) And a man walks in, a soft-spoken man, asking for Mr. Holiday. And then she sees him and she whispers Bobo. And she's just as shocked as we are at this point. 
and Doc says, speak up, spectacles. Which then I thought, modern day revenant Bobo must wear contacts. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe when you become a revenant, it's not as important. Maybe. Your eyesight's healed. It's like Mm -hmm. Lasix. Um, He goes on to say that he met Doc yesterday. And Doc's like, yeah, I was drunk yesterday. And he says, you are drunk today. And Winona raises an eyebrow like, touche, Bobo. And he says he just came from Wyatt, who received another letter that upset him. And Doc jumps up. He, you know, jumps from his seat and he says, Wyatt doesn't get upset. He once saw a knife fly between his legs, graze his balls, and de- and he did, did not so much as blink. And uh, he just ended up filling the would-be assassin with lead and Killer Miller became Dead Miller. So here we get a backstory about how Killer Miller became Tying a it rat. all in, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun when you nice. hear like, and you're like, oh, we've heard of that guy. <laughs> Doc is just, he's hes really mean. He's like not the Doc we know now. He's insulting to Bobo, um, who we soon learn is Robert's fame. And I'm just, I'm not sure why Doc is such an asshole to Robert. I guess he's just, I don't know. It's this, this juxtaposition where it's like modern day Doc is nicer and Bobo's the bad guy. And here they're flip-flopped around. Well, but it's also, I think, such a fascinating character view, realizing how far Doc has come by the time we're seeing him in, shall we say, present day. And also, this would be before he um, got, um, you know, the tuberculosis taken out of him, basically, got his life saved. Mm -hmm. So he's probably much more cratchety and cranky and like he's on death's door. Yeah, Yeah, he's... Like, what's the point of it? I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be dead in days or whatever. So yeah, that's probably part of it. And also, I'm thinking back at this time too. If you want to survive, you know, you're going to have to be pretty, yeah. especially for someone like him with a gunslinger and all. So no, it's not an excuse for being an a hole, but probably more of the way he had to live at that time too. Mm-hmm. And such a you know talking about how how far Doc has come, like in his character arc, to see how how Robert was such a kind soft man and how far he's gone the other way as well and it it reinforces some of the stuff we've been kind of hearing but not seeing over the first season and half of the show the fact that every time um you know the revenants resurrect they get a little loopier they get a little crazier they're you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. we're seeing or in, in very short time we're seeing how far robert slash bobo has has come you know right. what's what's caused a lot of that to happen um, we were seeing it in the reverse of Doc, because Doc is a lot meaner and has become a lot nicer. The other side, obviously, you know, Robert was much nicer and Bobo, well, not so much, but still some other stuff there. So I, again, it's just along with seeing this episode, it really makes you think, makes you think about all these characters, because we're going to see Constance. We, mm-hmm. we got both of the widows, um, you know, Juan Carlo, um, all of these people, we're seeing so much more of them. And then we start playing the game of, what happened to them over the course of time, over the hundred plus years? Well, and it's not only, you know, obviously like what has shaped them like experience, experience wise, but also like the people they've come in contact with. So it's like Bobo goes on to, as we find out down the line, you know, lead this horrible life where he's just, you know, trying to, to be saved and doing anything he can. And then Doc, like, as soon as he comes out of the well, he's just, like, he's met with people who are are kind and want him to be better. 
where, you know, nobody expects Bobo to be better. Everyone just like wants him to be bad because they they want him for things. So, yeah, so he's he's not kind to Robert. Put, and he Doc pushes him around and he's like, you know, if you've got a letter from Wyatt, you should tell me in private. Robert goes on to say the letters from the Padre, Juan Carlo in purgatory. Well, he doesn't say Juan Carlo, but we now know that the Padre is Juan Carlo. Um, the sheriff there is a madman. He's un he's unhinged a tail he's unhinged, and he's a terror upon his citizens. And Wyatt wants you to ride with him to purgatory, and Doc says purgatory is a lost cause, which is just like you've got Winona sitting there hearing this, right? Like you're you're just writing off my town. And Robert says, for God's sakes, good honest people are dying. Doc says, I've been dying for fourteen years, or I've been dying for fourteen years. If God exists, um. He does not care about the likes of any of us. Not dying for 14 years. Was he dying for 14 years or since he was 14? I think he was dying since he was 14. Yeah, I think so too. Either way, it's been quite a while. Um, he says he's made his peace with Wyatt. Now you can go to hell. And Robert says, for Wyatt, I would. I would ride to hell and back for him if need be. Used to be you would too. Good day, sir. And then he leaves. And this is the point where I'm like, Robert Spain was a better friend <laughs> than Doc. Got all the evidence right there. He literally goes to, he says he would, and he does. He puts himself, up. we'll get to that point. <laughs> um, I, I can sense Anna's going to start to get wild. <laughs> I have notes on my computer and I have notes on a piece of scratch paper also. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, here he doesn't have the ring and he's coughing. So he this is before he runs into Cludie. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So that was like, those were the kinds of things that I was trying to piece together timeline-wise. Wynonna's just watching this. She's stunned. And then um, as Robert leaves and Doc leaves, we hear gunshots outside. And Wynonna reaches for, her, for Peacemaker and she's like, of course, I don't have it yet. And she starts to wonder what would happen if she gets shot in this situation. And she's like, okay, what happens? Uh, okay, unless it's like, uh, if you die in your dream, do you die in real life? And she's just like, oh, make a damn choice. Again, choices um, to herself. And then she goes outside and this horse runs by and she just chants, tacos are tasty, tacos are tasty, which is a great callback. But also, according to Emily in the postmortem with Bridget, it was a total Mel improv. Yeah. Yeah. An excellent one. Very on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Very on brand. Uh, she was supposed to say something like, oh, I get it. You're so majestic when the horse runs by. But she's like, Mel tried this and they liked it and they just kept it. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's such, you know, because she does, like you said, at this point, what the heck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know. Just like Waverly that time when she just get me out of here. <laughs> Right, just click my heels and take me back <laughs> to Kansas. No place like home. Yeah, exactly. Winona picks up a piece of paper, or an actual, like a newspaper, and then we overhear these townspeople talking. And the person says, are you sure it was Wyatt Earp, the Wyatt Earp? And a woman says, dead certain. He shot Sheriff Clutie through the heart, and then he threatened something. It sounded awful. Um, so this is the curse, right? The curse. And yeah. the woman goes on to say that Earp rode off this morning like the devil was at his heels. And the man says, went off to see a dying friend, I hear. So that would obviously be Doc. And the woman says, Cludie's three wives are kicking up a real fuss over that demon's body. 
And the man says, yeah, those devil ladies are the Padres problem now. If, if he don't drink himself to death, which um, if he doesn't do that, they'll probably eat him alive, which is funny because they do. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And this is where it all began. And Winona follows a blood trail to the church that she started her quest in to find scattered papers everywhere. I almost bit on those papers. In the <laughs> <laughs> I had my eye on this. Um, and inside we find not just a bloody Robert Spain, but a crate. The crate. Yes. The crate. Uh, how did they, how did they get this story so rich with all these things? It's called Emily Andrus. I know. <laughs> I would have I would have killed to have been a fly on the wall watching that writer's room and all the dangly plot bits and how we tie this there and where this fits in there. I just would have loved to have seen the process of bringing this together. Yeah, because remember when we saw the crate, it had Bobo's name on it when we saw mm -hmm. it in, in BBD when the fingers were just sticking out. But so, yeah, so the crate is there and Winona asks Robert what happened. Um and she's like, you know, you were Wyatt's friend. And then we see a young Constant Cludy with the other two widows. And she has them paralyzed and she's chanting something. <laughs> Winona's like, oh, snap, I got to come to church more often. <laughs> like, it is juicy in here. And one of the widows asks where their husband is. Robert says he's dead and they'll never find him. And Constance says he's as good as dead which I thought was an interesting choice of words because he's not necessarily dead then if she says he's as good as dead. And he's buried in the earth. And um, she's like, yeah, he loved me best because of my magic. And now it's my magic that will doom him. And then Juan Carlo shows up, punches one of the widows. <laughs> Winona's like, I don't want to get technical, but that looked a lot like interference to me. <laughs> but again, they can't hear her, But I love that she's like this sports announcer that nobody can hear <laughs> at shorty's modern day nicole waverly and rosita are decorating for the baby shower which is really just kind of cute waverly says you know okay i set the trap with beef and cheese on tortilla chips and you know when she gets here she's going to pretend like she doesn't like any of it rosita shows up with a giant baby pinata <laughs> that's filled with donuts <laughs> Again, there are so many on-brand references in this episode. I know. And she's like, actually, she's going to love it. Like, at first, it seems a little creepy. But then she's like, it's filled with donuts. She's like, all right, then. Perfect. Um, and Ro, uh, Waverly starts commenting on how nice Rosita is all of a sudden. And Nicole talks about how, you know, maybe she's just trying to come together and, um, you know, like it or not, you guys are all going to be, you know, in the same circle with the baby and everything. And that's when Nicole talks about how intimidating it is to kind of like breach into the the family. Um, we really like, but like, how is it even possible? I'm I'm the nicest person in purgatory. There was a vote. I even got a sash. <laughs> Which I love that later on when Ma'am Clanton uses the curse uh, with the rocks later on, she uses that photo of Waverly from the newspaper. Complete with a sash. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. when that showed up. We're bringing like, it back. I know. With the sash. <laughs> but it's like, it's this, this scary moment, right? But then like you see the picture and you're like, oh, it's the sash picture. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. How many? We've been hearing it for years. Talking yeah. about how Waverly being the nicest, complete voted and sash. Yeah. And they find a way to bring it back. Brings a, a little way. bit of level uh, levity to the situation. Yes. It gives us a little yes. like, oh, there really was a photo. She wasn't making it up. Rosita brings over some pregatinis, and then she asks if she can cock up these mocktails. <laughs> Waverly <laughs> says, please, cock away. These lines are just so perfect. Uh, they are, Emily. I know. I wish I was that sharp. I know. Don't don't we all wish we could even be close to that? <laughs> so witty. Uh, modern day church. Dolls shows up and Juan Carlo is standing out front. And Juan Carlo, he takes Dolls' gun away from him the very same way Bobo can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that he could do that. What is that? Well, he does. And he talks about having certain skills and certain limitations once he became what he is so mm-hmm. you know it makes sense yeah dolls threatens him and he's like listen don't forget i'm the one who brought you know bought you brought you back to purgatory when you were half dead and he says winona's inside she's in there on her own will but she's not really in our time anymore and he's like rest assured she and the baby are fine but they won't be if you wake her up and um it turns out she can't be woken up from the vision quest until she completes it or it will break her mind or kill her. And um, Dolls like accuses him of like being drunk because he thinks he smells like amaretto. And Juan Carlos says she needs to see the past if we have any hope for the future. And then when Dolls goes inside, he he like checks her pulse, but he doesn't do anything to wake her up. And he just whispers to her not to do anything stupid. Which luckily she seems like she can't. She's just an observer. <laughs> Doesn't mean she wouldn't if she couldn't. (laughs) Right. It's one of those situations where it's like, if you start messing with the past, you mess up the future, right? The butterfly Mm -hmm. effect. Back in the olden days church, Robert's banging on the crates and the widows are now locked inside. And Constant talks about how Wyatt killed her boys and he's going to pay for it. But she has priorities. Constant says her husband's funeral is her freedom. Which is interesting because, like, it doesn't sound like they had a very happy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll need more than earth to keep him down. And she gives Robert and Juan Carlo both these vials and she tells them to pour it on the talismans she gave them. And it's interesting that this is like, this is an unlikely trio to be working together. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. But it's like they, they're un- an unlikely trio, but willing to work together because he's that bad right yeah because even what, they're gonna what come is needed. together yes yes and the concept of this whole separate seals and each of them not telling the other i mean this is brilliant stuff from a keeping you know your bad guy in check kind of kind of yeah approach. yeah absolutely yeah. and 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 constance is smart like she's a smart crafty very woman. smart yes and they need to use iron or silver or even something like a wedding ring. And we see her wedding ring, and it's the ring that Doc wears, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they are to repeat the words that she gives them and add their blood fresh from the vein. They need to hide the seals on holy sight. And like you said, none of them should tell the other so they can't turn against each other. Outside the church, Dolls is asking, you know, how long is this going to take? Juan Carlos like, time's not really my strong suit. 
And he says, you're not entirely human, are you? And he says, uh, he's been there for a while and he was granted immortality like Doc, along with some other perks and burdens. And he's like, why haven't you ever just sat down with us over like dinner or something and told us all these things? <laughs> Would have been really helpful. And he's like, yeah, I can't really interfere. And he's like, what are you doing now? And he's like, well, I d I'm not really afraid of the consequences anymore. And that's when we find out that the amaretto smell isn't alcohol, but he has gangrene from when Beth bit him and he's for sure going to die. And uh, Juan Carlo just tells him to make sure that Wynonna stays safe no matter what happens to him. And Dolls goes off to fight one of the widows who's just started to show up. Back in the church, olden times, Robert is on the floor with a, a letter and he calls out for his angel, but it's Constance. And she says that she's made whole in the house of her enemies, which is like the church. And um, Robert's going on to say that, you know, Wyatt said he'd return to see that everything was set straight. And, you know, he's dying because he had been shot outside the, the pub earlier bar. And Constance says Cludy didn't need a gun to kill him. Robert goes on to describe how Cludy took Robert as a human shield from Wyatt. And Robert told um, Wyatt to take the shot, like guaranteeing that he, you know, the shot would go through him to kill Cludy. So like this sealed his fate as a revenant, but he did it like for the greater good and for his friend. It's a huge sacrifice. Like, huge. He made this huge sacrifice. He did. He did. That's what you know shows the character of who Robert was. Yeah, it's so sad. Well, yeah, <laughs> knowing what eventually happened, absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and yeah, you know, complete with the arrangement between him and Constance as far as trying to find his sons and giving him any shot at not burning in hell. I mean, yeah, man, it's yeah. gosh, yeah. And you know, Robert's like. You know, the, the pain gets even more because emotionally now he finds out that Wyatt went off looking for Doc instead of sticking around to help him. And Constance says, well, he does love John Henry, doesn't he? Which, you know, there's been speculation that their friendship was more than friendship. That kind of love. Yeah. Even Emily this weekend hinted at it in a tweet back to me. Um and here Constant lays a bit of her like emotional groundwork for Robert to just like feel jaded, right? She's like, oh, he chose him over you. And Robert's like, well, but Doc saved Wyatt's life. And, you know, I just got in the way. And she's like, yeah, but you gave up your soul. Like she's egging him on a little bit. And you can see that Wynona's just watching this and she's she's just been hit with the magnitude of all of this. Like you can see the look on her face. And she feels bad and like, even though she can't hear her, she says to Constance, like, this isn't fair. Don't tell him this. Like, you know, she's like she's even feeling bad for him at this point. Man, no, who, you uh, who wouldn't? Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's human after all. And Constance says, um, didn't you hear my husband's last words? It's what sent Wyatt Earp fleeing. Cludie cursed him and all those cur and all those um, cursed by Peacemaker destined for hell. And they will resurrect upon Wyatt's death to be called revenants, to hound and kill each other and every Earp heir. And she's like, you're going to be a demon. And he starts to cry. And he's like, no, I'm a good man. And he, you know, he begs her for her help. Um, yeah, it's just so sad. And she's like, well, I'll make you a deal. 
if you bring me the bones of my sons. And he immediately says no. And Winona's like, you know, good Bobo. And, um, you know, she sees what a good man he was. But then before Constance leaves, he changes his mind. And who can blame him? Like, he's just desperate at this point. Desperate and dying. Yeah. At Shorty's, the girls are drinking and playing Never Have I Ever, which is kind of comical. And Rosita says, never have I ever swam naked in the ocean. And Waverly and Rosita both confess that neither one of them have ever even seen the ocean. Nicole tells them they both need to get out more. And Waverly's a little tipsy. And Nicole seems irritated by tipsy Waverly at this point. Or maybe she's starting to get jealous that she and Rosita are hitting it off. I don't know. I couldn't really read Nicole's offness there. I still think part of it is the fact that she knows she's lying to Waverly. She's just so guilty she and can't she's even so, act normal. Yeah, the guilt is just eating her up. Yeah, that makes sense. And Waverly grabs what she thinks is her purse uh, for a pen to play pregnant Pictionary. And in the most unbelievable thing to ever happen in this supernatural Western, <laughs> she grabs a purse that she thinks is hers but is Nicole's. Nicole would never have that purse. She would have a backpack. <laughs> I can no longer suspend my reality. Oh, oh, here it comes. <laughs> There's a flaw in the matrix. This is it. This is this is the hill you're going to die on. Right? <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, she sees an envelope with her name on it, and it's her DNA results. And Waverly's like, "Have you opened it?" Which it looked opened. And Nicole's face just says it all, right? And she's like, why wouldn't you tell me? And Nicole says, because I love you. Is this the first time Nicole says she loves her? I think it is. Oh, wow. That I'm we've not heard. the expert that uh, I would not I, would I know. Not somebody know will yell at us. Somebody, yes, somebody but, already does. Somebody, I know. We have yelling. a tweet being typed to us right now. They're yelling like they're in the vision quest. We can't hear them. <laughs> they can hear us, but we can't hear them. Uh, the magic of podcasting. Right? Vision <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Waverly's pissed, rightfully so. And Nicole says she was only trying to protect her. But Waverly sees it as a way of Nicole trying to control her. And Nicole's like, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee the results. Like, it's going to affect you forever. And she says she doesn't need Nicole to make decisions for her. She's not a child. And then she mm -hmm. says, and from the look on your face, I'm not an herb either. Ouch. And then she leaves and she tells Nicole not to follow her, and Nicole doesn't. That's not going to end well. Yeah. I mean, eventually it ends well, but we know well, this is going to set things on a course. Yeah. Well, <sighs> while, we're, while we're pulling threads and you're drawing lines in the sand uh, on what you'll believe, for someone as smart as Nicole to leave the DNA results in her purse? When she's going out with Waverly, that guilt must have been really messing with her brain. Yeah. Or it was just like she saw it on her way out and she just grabbed, grabbed it, it. looked, know. stuffed it in there. A series of bad choices, right? Yeah. We're talking about choices with Winona. Nicole, you didn't make some good calls on this one, I'm afraid. But also just like a really interesting story choice of how to let us know, you know, to to do it through this like this breach of trust between Nicole and Waverly when up until now, everything she said is, you know, you know her, I can't betray her. I can't betray her trust. I can't then, lie to her. Yeah. I can't lie to her. 
Emily's building this all up. Nicole (laughs) is perfect. But like, but that's, that's nice too, that, you know, we see she's not perfect. No, she's not. And that's, that's, you know, all joking aside, that's why the characters are so wonderful because they're so real. You know, we may joke about choice of purse or, or putting the results in there, but come on. I mean, it's circumstance and decisions she made that I'm sure she thought was right to protect the person she loved and spiraled out of control. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we are at the well, the well, and it's the day that Doc is put in it because Constance is seeking vengeance for her son's death. And she thinks that putting Wyatt's best friend in a well forever alive will do the trick. And she takes Robert there telling him, if you get the ring, then, you know, this is the ring that heals the dying and delays death. Uh, If you get it from Doc, you'll have your immortality. And she's like, "Uh, you get the ring, you avoid death, and then Doc and Wyatt will be reunited. But Doc's not going to give up that ring. He wants to be let out first. And this is like a, you know, neither man trusts the other kind of situation. And Doc says, throw down the rope or go to hell. And Robert says, I believe I will. Yeah, you will. You get, you get to see two of them, two desperate. Both of them are so, Doc is so desperate. Robert is. And Constance is the one putting them both in, in mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah, and they're both just digging in deep. Mm-hmm. And Constance says, you will get my sons eventually. And Robert says, you have nothing I want. And Constance says, I'll find something. Mm. She does. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. She has proven that. She gets to him eventually. In present day at the church, the widows are eating Juan Carlo alive. And um, Danny Kind just talked about this scene on a panel at um, that Kat Crimmins did at Earth Division Expo. She talked about it saying that it was like the spaghetti mixed with stuff. And it was just like super gross. And she was just like stuffing it in her mouth and then spitting it out of her mouth off camera. Mm-hmm. She said it was she said it was so much fun. <laughs> so she went home and she was like, I ate a man today. <laughs> so, you know, listening to Danny Kind tell the story, it's very animated. Dolls has images of Winona flash through his mind, and thus gives him the the strength to like push past the paralyzing venom. And then he gets a little demony and he scares the widows off. And Juan Carlo just looks at him and like, you know, they have this like silent understanding where Dolls just kind of nods and then shoots him, ending his suffering, because there's no way he's coming back from that. And Dolls makes his way into the church and barricades himself in. But then the venom starts taking over again, and he he falls and he passes out like by Winona. The widows are trying to get in, but he's claimed sanctuary in the church. So the widows just decide, we'll just burn it down, and that'll yeah. get him to come out. To the ground. Yeah. So things are not looking very good. And then we're back in the old-time church. And Robert's saying a prayer as he like he's dying in this church. And he looks at Winona and says, you're with me. And she's like, how can you see me? And he says, I suppose because I'm dying, though I've caught glimpses of you my entire life. And he calls her his guardian angel. Winona's coughing because the church is burning down in modern time. And he says he was a good man and he deserves to be saved. And she like, kicks him a little bit and she's like you left doc down there to die alone and um he's like i had to leave him because he was guarding the seal and she says no you were just jealous so it's hard to tell like what decision he did like which reason was the reason he made his decision was it because he's protecting the seal or is it because 
he was jealous, as she says. It's hard to tell. I would I would lean towards jealous in that situation though, because he knows yeah. he's dying. Yeah. So, and he's looking down at a guy that while he's in a well, he's got immortality. Mm-hmm. Winona says, if you rescued Doc, everything might have been different, Bobo. And he hears that name and he's like, my name's Robert. Why are you calling me that? And she explains it will be his name when he's resurrected from hell as a demon. She holds Peacemaker to him and it glows orange. And he's like, I know that gun. She's like, yeah, it's the one that killed you. And then he's it kind of hits him. And he's like, oh, God, what did I do? What shall I become? She tells him, try to remember who you were and how much you loved Wyatt Earp. And she starts coughing and he goes to her and he's like, no, 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 you know, you're dying because of me. And so like he keeps going back and forth, right? Like he's like, he has these moments where he's like so sorrowful and like regretful. And um, she's like, trust me, we'll meet again. And he says, if you're an angel, we're going to be on different sides. And he promises to never hurt her no matter what form he takes. He swears it. And he asks, what's my angel's name? Kevin, this is like, (laughs) this moment is like everything. Everything. It's foundational to all the relationships and everything we're going to see. I mean. It helps make so much make sense from back in season one. Some of the interactions between Bobo and Waverly didn't seem to make sense at the time. And now it's like you hit yourself in the forehead with your palm going, oh, my God, there it all is. She, Wynonna seals the deal like she she guarantees Waverly's safety from Bobo with this one like act so smart like how could she even think about that well she's always thinking about Waverly ding 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 (laughs) there you go you took the words out of my mouth (laughs) like what greater act of love could she have provided especially considering she's uh, on the on the verge of dying yeah the forethought to ensure her safety mm-hmm. and he repeats the name Waverly saying I will remember and she's falling asleep and she says please wake me up and he jumps to action ringing the church bell which is so interesting too right like he makes this this act I mean he doesn't know he's saving the herb air but like if the herb air would have died here yeah I don't even know. Like my brain is exploding <laughs> trying to think of like what that would have meant, right? For like him, would he have been fine? Like this selfless act that he then does, like his one last good deed, just solidifies everything in the future. I was not cut out for time travel, time jumps. <laughs> and uh then we see dolls uh, hovering over Winona's body, giving her mouth to mouth. She comes to and he's I mean, he's so relieved. I've never seen him so relieved. And he asks Ewan how they found him. And he says, smart move, ringing the bell. But we know it was Robert that saved her. That scene. Oh, it is so good. Like I could watch that scene over and over again. It's it's some powerful stuff. I mean, it's and I'm talking collectively here, but you're just coming down from realizing all of this and the wave relief. Like that's your own breath. And we still have that going on yeah and then you're just left with like all these bombs that have been dropped of like just of knowledge of and then you can't help but think like what okay what did that mean there what is how did that you know affect everything from before (laughs) we're at the frozen lake and waverly's reading her dna results and she's remembering you know that ice scene again and we see bobo carrying her out of the lake with her wet bunny saying, I'm here. I've got you, Angel. 
And for some reason, she says Papa as a child, which, you know, probably because she's frozen and in shock and all that stuff and just assumes it's a fatherly figure, her dad that saves her. But for us as the viewer, it just is like, holy shit, he's her dad. What? <laughs> oh, I remember just being like, what is happening? A week between episodes to start speculating. Bobo's her dad? Yeah. That's insanity. (laughs) Inside the homestead, Winona and Dolls are laying together in bed. Are we supposed to think they had sex? I don't think so. I just think it is after her dying, Mm -hmm. technically. He is just, it's just a, you know, a need to be close. Yes, me too. Because... I've always taken it as they didn't because they still have clothes on, not very many, but they have clothes on and she's on top of the covers. So that's, that's my interpretation. Mm -hmm. And dolls is like, Hey, how was your vision quest? And she goes on to explain that doc's ring is Constance's wedding ring. And she now knows what happens if the seal's broken. Clody, Clody will rise and be pissy. He kisses her and she says, you know, I'm fine. And he's like, good. Because you kind of died. And she's like, what? He's like, yeah, for 77 seconds, which I thought was interesting because that's the number of revenants there are. And she Coincidence? tells- I think not. Wow. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I, I met Robert um, Bobo. And he's like, oh, God, you know, I hope we never become en- enemies with each other. And then all of a sudden she pops up in the bed because it like it clicks with her, right? That the herb air was dead. And she's like, but it was just a few seconds, right? Like, surely it's no big deal. But then in the woods, we see Bobo pop up from the snow, resurrected. Mm-hmm. So you know how much of a fan I am of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And you know I will not spoil you or any of the listeners. But for those of you that are Buffy fans, you will know that part of the mythos is that into in Buffy, into every generation, a Slayer is born. And there could be only one Slayer at a time. So something might have happened to Buffy, similar to Winona, and I just freaked out the first time I saw this. Because <laughs> I know fan, you know, Emily and the well and the writers are Buffy, so they just brought in a big one there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know, but I'm sure there are plenty of uh, listeners who are the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and someday you will know and you'll go, God, I get it now. <laughs> He'll be like, oh, it blew my mind. Like, I need my mind to blow any more on this episode. Like, yes. See? See? See, 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 see. You know, anytime I have any, like, like a brain fart or anything, I'm just going to blame it on this episode. I mean, like, you know what? I was fine. And then I watched that episode multiple times and it just blew my mind. But I was trying, like, to, you know, so we're, so we're kind of like, okay, when he's in the bar the first time where... Robert walks in and he's like, you know, I've got a message from the Padre. So Doc, that's that's pre-ring. And then we saw in the Blade episode, in the beginning of that episode, that's when we first saw the story of when Wyatt comes to Doc, who's sick in bed, and he's like, I want you to go to purgatory with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a sheriff there. He's bad news. And he's like, I'm too sick. Just, you know, go without me. So this was like kind of their their goodbye right he's like i'll see you on the other side but then when he comes back at the end of the like we see that memory at the end of the blade episode um 
that's when Doc is fine and Wyatt finds him and he's fine and he's in bed with two women and he's got the ring on then. So we never saw, like, we know she gave it to him. We just didn't see, like, when that happened. But then we saw the, the well situation, too. I was trying to piece together that whole timeline. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the brain, the, at least for me now, in watching a lot of this, your brain thinks it's like one continuous scene or mm -hmm. set of scenes. And it's not. We're getting... We got part of those reveals from Vision Quest stuff. And we've known, as you point out, we know these things from certain flashbacks at one point there. But our brain can now see all of it. Yeah. Uh, and see what affected where and what it means. And then you start putting this together. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause so, like within the Vision Quest, there's time jumps in there yes, too. Cause yes. I was That's like, I originally, I was trying to piece yes. it together and I'm like, even if I piece this together with what we previously saw, there's still time jumps within there. Yeah, exactly. Like yep. when he You're left, when it, he came not back. One continuous timeline. You're yeah, when he's looking for Doc. Yeah, all that stuff. So I was like, mm -hmm. wow, that blew my mind. And again, that's why I say it. At some point in one of my rewatches is when I really started to focus a bit more on him getting the ring and therefore not dying anymore was probably a big turning point for when Doc wasn't as much of an a-hole. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it, that's when you start looking at, at who someone is, because then we take the flip side of that. And like we've talked about now for an hour or more, you have the beginnings of who Robert was and right. what he did, the sacrifices he made, his own life, not Whoa. just his life, but his continuing existence. Cause he, you know, allowed himself to be turned into a demon for years to come. And then, you know, so it's like Doc gets this immortality, but it doesn't matter because he's in a well. So it's like mm -hmm. you he was probably wishing he could die at this point because, you know, mm -hmm. he's stuck in this well. And then we hear him season four say, you know, all that time at the bottom of the well, what did I think about? And he says he thought about love. And it's just like, you know, that if he wouldn't have had that, like, would he have, if he wouldn't have had that hardship, would he have remained this hardened guy? And there's, oh, it's just too much. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. I'd be curious if you remember your first time through the series, because at this point, if, you know, only up through 208, there are so many possibilities for who Waverly is, what Bobo's involvement in that is. All of that. I mean, you you know, your mind can spin in even a thousand different directions. At mm -hmm. least now we have some concrete avenues that we went down. But then I got to tell you, this was just one of those, not only mind blowing, but for those who wanted to try to guess where the next step was, it was like, forget it. <laughs> forget it. She's now opened so many possibilities. And again, throwing in that um, mention of, of uh, Bobo saving her, but her saying Papa and all, I mean, it's like, you, you know, as a, you, your brain starts to go there. Okay, so let's figure it out. Okay, he's either her father, maybe he's been his sur her surrogate father, maybe he's the one who actually raised her. Um, you know, all these things, you know, and it's just fascinating to, to go on all those mental tangents, right? And then, like, so many, and for so long, like, the things that he would say, or it's like, it didn't, it didn't change that he was a bad guy and still, like, you know, coming after Winona and stuff, but like, it kind of did, like. You know, he wouldn't do things with Waverly. And it's like, okay, why did you just save Waverly? And all these things are starting to make sense. And 
And we just found out she's not an ERP. So we don't know who her dad is. So, her, her, you know, saying Papa is like, how is that po- like, yeah, how is that possible? <laughs> and, you know, who could see that Julian would end up being, you know, that? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, if she's an angel, like, is he an angel? And then he would say, like, all the times when he said, we're kin. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like, what does that mean? Like, how, are you related? How are you related? And then how Waverly is eventually going to end up like sparing his life. Like they have this connection. I mean, such a fascinating character. And the fact that he can come back. Why is he the only one who can come back? And I know Bridget asked in her postmortem with Emily, she says, um, you know, Bobo's back. What does this mean? She said, Emily says, Bobo is back, resurrected, and full badass. Why Bobo? Why out of all the revenants? Why is he the one that's resurrected when she dies? I think there's a lot of questions that are intriguing and is- interesting. I just love that juxtaposition of back to complete evil Bobo when we've just seen Robert Svein, who was a good man who got caught up in this curse. I really love that. And another parallel to me, as we'll eventually learn, is we find out that Rosita was one of those revenants, wrong time, wrong mm-hmm. place, in terms of why she became a revenant. To a certain degree, the same thing is true with Robert, right? Because, you know, if he hadn't been there at that time to, to be taken as the human shield and, and all, I mean, who's to say he wouldn't still have been there supporting Wyatt? Well, and if he wouldn't have made that separate deal with Cludy when he comes back, if he still could have redeemed himself, because he kind of had a chance again later, but. Well, he did, but he also, you know, like all the other revenants, kept resurrecting, and that's got to mess with your brain. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're not thinking as clearly. But it's lovely that with all the impacts of being a revenant and time and time again resurrecting, Waverly as his angel part still sticks. Right. Still is honored. Um, And I think that's part of the fascinating bit for, you know, we, we have lovely conversations. You know, certainly Michael has on many panels. You know, when you play, and I'm doing air quotes, the bad guy, you don't think yourself as the bad guy. Um, but also we as viewers, and you mentioned it you know, just a few minutes earlier, is there were times where, you know, certainly season one, you're shaking your fist and cursing Bobo um, for how bad he is. And then you have those little times where it's like, wow, he was actually kind of nice there. <laughs> right. Oh, he didn't go as bad as he could have. Why? And then, you know, so your brain starts going in all these directions. So I just, I love that it the fascinating way it makes you as a viewer question yourself or make you wonder or look at a character differently. You know, it's just yeah, there's not just one way to look on at layers. most of it. Yeah. It's, That's it's why like, this series is so worth worthy of all the rewatches too. Like we said, it's not just the same old, same old. Right. His experiences and his environment have just like shaped, you know, how he's going to become. Mm. And then, then I was just thinking this just, here we go. It pops into my head. Waverly never knew that that's what Winona did. Like she never finds that out, does she? I don't think we ever get it on camera. No. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever referred to as having been a conversation. Yeah. So that's fascinating in and of itself. That like because just... also it's going to be great when we get to that point where you know Bobo is is Bolshar's minion, number one minion or whatever he is. Um. And the conversations that Bobo and Waverly have mm-hmm. um, and their connection and all that um, at, at a very you know, difficult time with every everyone's life being in danger. I mean, it just it's going to be fascinating then. And, and like you said, it, 
But I mean, I also try to think of that, and I think try to think of it from Winona's point of view, where she's just doing everything to protect her sister. Is there a reason to bring it up? I was just thinking, like, there was never a sisterly fight where she was like, you know what? You want to know all the things I've done for you? (laughs) (laughs) I saved you from the very beginning in a vision quest. I told Boba you were his angel, you know, ensuring your safety against this creep. Well, in my my very, you know, experienced sister lover brain, I don't think they ever have a fight. Not until later. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're not there yet. So, and they never have a fight. <laughs> it's always I'm perfect. sticking to it until you give me any uh, tangible proof. Uh, uh, several several weeks or months from now. You've got quite forward. a way to go. Yes, I can be right for a little while. <laughs> there, there's a part where Bridget says, prior to that way hot drama, we got to see them plan a baby shower with Rosita, who I really become more fond of in this episode. Will she continue to integrate herself into the group, especially since it seems like she and Doc are still going strong? I'm not even going to read you Emily's answer because it's just so funny to like go back and look at Bridget's theory of like, oh, she seems like she's getting along really well with them. I think she's going to be a great Becoming addition. Becoming one of the gang. <laughs> know what else to go back now and read it and then know what happens like sorry bridget just doesn't turn out that way (laughs) again another way of watching things develop uh and seeing how characters are going to go in different directions it's it's just wonderful stuff yeah wonderful stuff just such a good episode and there's like you know all the answers and you know obviously we have more questions but you know right off the you know in this story, we we find out the significance of Doc's ring, how and why he got into the well, why Clutie cursed Wyatt and the heirs, the if Waverly's an herb, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why Bobo's drawn to Waverly, like that's considering how like the other episodes have gone. That's a lot of information for one episode, <laughs> and it's like the amazing Emily. Andrus written finales. There are like three episodes of TV in 42 minutes. And it's yeah. because of the way she can do it. It's just absolutely amazing how much stuff can be fit into that time. And it's rare that she writes an episode of, you know, other than, you know, some of the opening ones of a season of the show or the finale. So to have this one dropped here in like, a, you know, right around the midway point of the season, it, it was just, again, the, it's a simple phrase, but it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And in the behind the scenes, she said that she really didn't know if the script for this episode would work because it was complicated and a little different. But Paulo Bowersman really brought, uh, he really bought into it. So I was just thinking like, come on, Emily. This is like, for me, this is one of the best episodes of season two. And you didn't know if this was going to work. <laughs> hey, but that's how it is sometimes when you have such brilliant stuff. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a razor's edge. Everything has to fall right. The performances, the direction of the amazing script to start it from it it's just you know sometimes all these things have to come together uh you know because it could could a bunch of empty chairs at a wedding do what it did right (laughs) yeah but again it's another one of those like you know how she talks about you know we didn't know if anyone was going to get it you know the whole encompassing thing it's like she's just so glad we got it it's just another one of those uh, examples of yeah we get it we got it we got it (laughs) We will for years to come. Right. I'll be like, 
have dementia in my old age and I'll be like, but remember when Robert Spain the 77 seconds mean something. <laughs> I'll be like, let's talk about Robert Spain and how he was a better friend than Doc wants to watch. Yes, let's start that college course. <laughs> oh, if you uh, disagreed or agreed with anything we have to say, you know where to find us. It's at earthologypodcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail. You can email us at herbologypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us um, on Twitter at herbology underscore pod. Yep. Love all the feedback we get, folks. It is so wonderful. Uh, many of you live tweeting as you listen or giving us feedback on some things or if you missed the emotions ahead warning I put out for our last episode. Oops. Sorry. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen with us. Absolutely. Uh, until next time. Bye. Take care, all.